Hi, guys. Sean and I have some exciting news. Uh, we have created official Twitter and Instagram accounts for the Oh, Mr. Sheffield podcast. It is at Oh, Mr. Chef pod on both platforms. And that is Oh, Mr. Chef with two Fs. So Oh, Mr. Chef pod. Check it out. Follow us. It's going to have all the latest and greatest from us about this show. Um, and we hope you like it. Now enjoy the episode. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Meet Miss Fine. Hello, and welcome to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast where we talk about the 90s hit sitcom The Nanny, starring Fran Drescher. This is episode 11, and we're talking about season one, episode 11, A Plot for Nanny. Very dramatic title for what ends up being like a very silly episode. Uh, it was directed by Paul Miller and written by Lila Garrett and Sandy Krinsky. I am Sean DePasquale, and I am here with my usual co-host, Toria Sheffield. Say hi, Toria. Hello, hello. I'm so excited this for what's happening. very exciting because for the first time in uh, Oh, Mr. Sheffield history, we have uh, guests, two guests, actually. They come as a pair. They're a wonderful package of human beings. Um, the, I call them the Kane sisters, but I guess we should give them individual names. Uh-huh. It's Annabelle and Genevieve. Uh, hi, guys. Hi. hi. <laughs> Hello. I was, I was trying not to say hi in person because yeah. I don't want to give into that stereotype, even though that's 99% of the time what happens. It's natural. You got to let it happen, Annabelle. Let it happen. All right. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's, let's give some context for how we know um, Annabelle yeah. and Genevieve. Yeah. So – um, we, as we've talked about, Tori and I worked, uh, for Macaulay Culkin on his weird comedy project, Bunny Ears. And, um, we were constantly looking for like, you know, funny people to work with content, new creators. It was very exciting. So you guys sent in a link to a GoFundMe and it was a GoFundMe to raise money for, uh, an addiction that Genevieve had and her addiction, they had filmed a video and the video was basically like a, my secret addiction parody. And the whole yeah. thing was about her addiction to Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. Yes. And it was very, very funny and like really well made. And like, I showed it to Mac and I showed it to Tori and Tom. And I was like, you guys, this is like legitimately great. <laughs> and everyone agreed. Oh, I should say, if you're listening to this and curious about this video we're talking about, you can go to YouTube, go to YouTube uh, and type in bunny ears and it'll bring up our YouTube page. And then it's like one of the most, the more recent videos up there. The other thing that we need to bring up is that the Kane sisters, we didn't, I, I didn't know this when we started this podcast, are huge nanny fans. How old were you when you first saw it? Were you like a little kid watching it on TV? Yeah, so I first uh, watched it on Nick at Night, and it was like when I was in the sixth grade, and like Fall Out Boy had just broken up. So I was like, "Cool, I need a whole new source for my identity now." And um, that was on, and I was like, oh, "Okay, this woman like talks like me. This woman dresses like my mom. I'm in. I'm I'm sold, and I'm in." And then from there, I was like obsessed, obsessed, <laughs> obsessed. You can keep you can keep sharing because this obsession took yeah. a new toll. So so after that, you know, like. Fall Boy was over, so I'm like, cool, emo's dead. I threw out all of my colored skinny jeans. Um, and I had just gone through I had just gone through puberty too, so I had a woman's body now, even though I was eleven. And I was like, I was like, Mom, my mother's like, Nanny, have you seen this show? And my mom's like, uh yeah, I uh, love that show. I have like all of the clothes that she wears on that show. I'm like, Mom, no, you don't. And then she showed me her closet and I was like, Mom, yes. So what it's I like did, exact piece, exact piece. <laughs> 
So I just, I dressed up like Fran Fine every single day. I went to middle school with my hair teased in high heels. Oh my God. We've known each other for a couple of years now and we've never really discussed the nanny. And the way it even came up was when we did the first episode. If you've been listening since the beginning, you know, we put out a little mini-sode sort of realizing that like all the episodes were out of order on HBO Max. And Mm -hmm. I, I, the day we discovered that I, I put a, a tweet out and I was just like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like what's going on? And Genevieve was like, yo, I got you, dude. I have every episode on DVD. Here's the mm-hmm. airing order. And, and I was like, oh, yes, please come be on the show. So that brings us to episode 11, A Plot for Nanny. Um, and real quick, when you texted them last week to be like, hey, do you guys want to like record next Sunday? We're doing episode 11. I think Genevieve instantly texted back and was like, oh, yeah, F11, yeah. Um, where Fran goes on a date with The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah her mom buys her a cemetery plot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like without missing a beat. So if you give me an episode title, I can give you the plot like immediately. Like, Genevieve's like, it. I can list my favorite quotes from the episode right now. <laughs> like, okay. Well, yes, but this all leads perfectly into the plot of this episode, which is uh, Fran turns 30 and her mother gifts her with a cemetery plot. Also interesting, in real life, Fran Drasher was 36. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I will. I have a lot to talk about that because I just turned 40. And, um, so my first note for this episode that I wrote down was like, she's turning 30. (laughs) Fuck this show. (laughs) Because, because this show made such a big deal about her being 30, that she's like old and it's like the end of her life. And like, it's all downhill from here. And like, and then that made me think like, you know, even if she was 30 in real life, I didn't realize she was 36, but like, even if she was 30 in real life, I'm like, that's fucked up that like, she felt that way. And everyone was telling her that to the point where like, she wrote a whole episode about it. Makes it even worse that she was older than that. And the network was like, uh, you're going to start to show you're going to be 29 years old. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um, it's, it's so bizarre to me. Um, and I mean, it, you know, it makes sense, I guess, in a world where like, yeah, in the fifties, everyone was like old when they were like 25, cause they had like jobs and three kids and they smoked six pack of cigarettes a day. I was thinking the same thing when I was watching it. I'm like, dang, all the subtle jokes or comments when she mm-hmm. was, um, what was she, when she was at, uh, picking out the, the coffins. coffins and her mom was like your birthday or so, I forgot what she said what yeah, she oh said. yeah yeah she like uh she like when Fran's like I don't know if I want to go out with you this or that and the mom's like how old are you now how old are you now yes. and you're <laughs> oh, just like yes. hey, yeah yeah, everything. Well, and I mean, this is also this is like the ni- early nine. It's like nineteen ninety four. So this was literally, I think, the same year that like my cousin Vinny came out, and that whole movie is about like my biological clock is ticking, Vinny. Another like thirty year old woman who was like, "I'm old, and I will be dried up and useless if you if this doesn't happen for me right now." Um, and it's I I don't know. It's so funny what a difference like you know. Mm-hmm. 20 years makes yeah uh, did any did the whole i obsession did, did did fran's mother's obsession over cemetery plots ring very familiar and true to, to anyone else yes we did for me yes oh 
we were talking about um, how we watch it, and Genevieve's like, do you remember when Mom had a phase where she was looking at... She was obsessed with cemetery plots. And mausoleums. And mausoleums. (laughs) (laughs) And my dad finally... And my mom was like, this is going to be great. It's going to be for dad's side of the family, my side of the family. We're all going to be together. And I want us to have a nice big mausoleum when we're all on the inside together. We're not in the dirt. We're on the inside together. And my dad finally was like, he's like, like, this is so creepy. This is freaking me out. You got to stop. Okay. We're not talking about this. And I'm not buying any funeral plots. Okay. (laughs) So yes, it did. (laughs) My mother and my grandparents on my mom's side and everyone on, on my mom's side. Uh, are obsessed with, I mean, same thing that that you guys just described. I the whole phase where there was a con- like a constant discussion around the plots. My mom was ready to dig people up. She's like, you know, uh, it's yeah. worth it. It's better to be together. <laughs> I want to be like shot to the moon. Me too. Yes. So, and but oddly enough, all of this uh, plot burial and cemetery stuff, like while it it. Uh, rang tr- very true and and i'm sure mattered to sylvia you, you know we actually find out that this is all a big setup this is the whole thing is a setup because fran is turning 30 there's a very mm-hmm. handsome man who works as an undertaker at this mortuary and sylvia wants to set her up with this guy like that's all that this all all ends up being about right which is and- why this is called a plot for nanny <laughs> Yes, yes. Double meaning. Double meaning because the burial plot and also Mm -hmm. it's a whole plot, right? And Um, we should quickly say the funeral director is played by uh, Matt McCoy. Yes. And he is Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. But even weirder than that. Husband from The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Yes, what the fuck is going on with this show's obsession with The Hand That Rocks the Cradle? I don't understand. Were they like, let's get the dad from The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, or was this completely coincidental? I mean, you guys, here's the thing. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle came out before this show, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 Gracie was in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Shut the up. actress that plays Gracie, she was in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. There's wow. a Hand That Rocks the Cradle reference in the first episode, and then I think there's another one, like, a couple episodes later, and now they've cast another actor from The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Like, there's no way it's an accident, but it's also, I will bring it up every time it comes up on the show, it's so bizarre to me that this movie exists within the reality of this world, and also these people don't go like, oh, that looks just like the guy from the movie we just referenced. Um, well, and so I feel like we got we got really in the weeds on burial plots, but mm-hmm. so basically, yes, the um, so Sylvia is orchestrated this whole thing so that Fran will meet uh, Steve Mintz, aka uh, mm-hmm. the dad from the Handlock Rocks Cradle, and mm-hmm. Lloyd Braun. Mm-hmm. Um, he asks her out, so um, like the big like central plot point in this care of this episode is that Fran is going to go on a date, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and the household, like the Sheffield family, kind of has to like do without her for a night and feel what it might be like if she wasn't in their lives um i think that's more like that's like the emotional crux of this episode which which there's two there's there's a there's a b plot but it's not the b plot is that maggie has a new boyfriend now maggie by the way 14 years old still just putting that out there she's She's now on her like second or third boyfriend of the series. Also, like, Eddie's Eddie's, I guess, old news. Yeah, little Jimmy Marsden is gone. You know, like you got you got to 
support young Margaret. She's she's doing her thing, you know. She's getting she's getting acquainted with the gentleman. She's she's learning now, so she doesn't make any ginormous mistakes later. Which you know, that's okay. actually very wise. Fair. That, yeah, that is checks wise. out. I I was a real late bloomer, and then made horrible mistakes <laughs> because I had no experience. That makes sense. Um. Yeah, you know what? I never really thought about it like that. You know what, Sean? Maybe our overprotective ways are actually damage will damage our future children. <laughs> See, listen, this is why I'm going to let Elizabeth raise our kids. <laughs> Can she raise my kids too? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Fran, there is a bit here that I wanted to point out since we're talking, but we're at the part in the episode. So, Fran is going to go out on a date, but that means she's not going to be around. I guess for like an evening, Grace is really upset because she was reading a book to her, and she's like, "What about that book that we're reading?" And there were two things that stood out to me. The book that she's reading to her is called Scruples. Do you guys know what that book is? Yes, I have. I Googled it. So Scruples is a 1978 novel and it details the life of Wilhelmina Hunnewell Winthrop or Billy as she evolves from the overweight, quote, poor relation in an aristocratic Boston Brahim family to become a thin, stylish woman who has left a vast fortune by the death of her much older first husband. And who then found an upscale Beverly Hills boutique called Scruples. <laughs> so, the fact that he's reading this to a seven-year-old is very funny. Yeah, it's incredible. I feel like Gracie's mentally, she's one of those kids who are like, oh, you're old for your age. But it's because she's experienced so much trauma that she's like mentally aged so much. So I perceive her as older than seven years old, which is also problematic poor gracie but also just so good so good for an audience so fran goes out on this date which leaves the household sort of out of funk and you know mr sheffield is clearly completely agitated because you know he's not willing to admit he's jealous but he is and brighton's even like he's like you know dad this is all your fault like if you if you let fran like leave the house she's gonna realize there's a whole world out there and she's never gonna come back um and mr sheffield's like Oh, Brian, like, I think you'd actually miss her, wouldn't you? And, and he's like, well, well, yeah, but, but only because, you know, no one could do my homework for me and stuff. But, you know, it's very clear that, um, Brighton has a real emotional bond with Fran, even though he would also never admit it. And then we have that great kitchen scene with Niles, which is one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode. My note there was, um, was that the highlight of the episode is this, is the Niles kitchen scene. And then, and then I sort of just kind of wrote, it made me think that like, I think this show functions best when it's about the core cast, like, like relegating any of those main members to a B plot really hurts the comedy, like the functional comedy of the show. It's good. It's, but it's, it is really like putting all of those characters in a room together is really where I think the show shines the best. And I think this episode kind of proves it. I was sitting there and this was before, I don't know if this was before the kitchen scene. It was, it was when circling back to Brighton, um, kind of giving the energy that he does miss Fran and he has an emotional attachment with her. What was really interesting to me is um, Brighton's so aware of their, I guess, situation and that his family has status and that his dad's incapable of doing anything without Fran and um, Niles. And I grew up around a lot of wealthy kids. I'm like, none of them were ever this aware about their upbringing and where their place is and how, I mean, maybe they were, but he's so outwardly spoken about, yeah, we're being raised by the nanny. So, okay. So what ends up happening is the date goes well. 
Mm-hmm. And Mr. Sheffield is clearly displeased. And that leads to him having to have this very, very awkward talk with Fran, where he's basically, in fact, he tries to get Niles to do it, which is like so shitty. <laughs> and it's sort of like, I don't want you having men staying over. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it's bumbling and it's awkward and um, it's very like, you know, Fran is, is just, she's almost like, um, she almost thinks it's adorable that he's trying to have this conversation with her because she is in no way embarrassed or bashful about this kind of stuff. And he can like hardly get the words out. Um, but it, it also was like a scene that was kind of charged with sexual tension because they're talking about like her having sex with someone. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she kind of like gets very close to him when they talk and she kind of almost like, tw- you know, she knows that he's horribly uncomfortable and she's having fun with it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, especially by the end when she's like slowly like creeping her way to him and like he's like backing away from her. She's like, what, what do you want to talk about? Like, like you want to talk about having sex? And he's like, oh, 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 it's fine. That's so great. Yes. <laughs> Legend sad. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then kind of to close the episode out, it takes I what I, I personally think is a stupid twist. Like I like rolled my eyes at this twist. And and so she she goes back to like the guy, the Undertaker guy that she's been seeing, and he announces to her that that he is gonna follow his dreams. He doesn't really want to be an Undertaker. And he wants to go back to college and she's like, Oh my God, that's great. You know, like, what are you going to do? Like a doctor or a lawyer? And then he's like, I'll give you a hint. And he turns around and then, and then turns back to her and he's got a clown nose on and, <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to clown college, baby. And then he like squirts her in the face with like water. And I, I, I just rolled my eyes. I was like, that's dumb. They couldn't have figured out any other way. <laughs> What is the opposite um, of sadness? A clown. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's his motivation for wanting to. He's he's dealt with sadness in his job, and now he wants to bring people joy. Um, but wait, can we just also flag that, Sean? I think when you texted Genevieve last week, I, the one thing I didn't mention about your text back, Genevieve, was that you were like, "Oh yeah, like the episode where Fran dates an Undertaker," and you went, "Dude's a clown." And Sean and I hadn't. <laughs> Yeah, we hadn't seen this episode yet. So yeah. then when it turned out that really was what happened, I like burst out laughing. <laughs> um, so so I just want to say to everyone listening, like that was a literal text. Like, yeah. Just, dude's yeah. A just, just like, to further, just to further solidify that, that they're actually comedic geniuses. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. My my favorite part of the clown twist. Um, I'm just gonna serve up some hot takes right here. Do it. But my favorite part of the clown twist is I just love imagining people in a writer's room sitting there going, "Okay, guys, let's think. Let's think. Franny's with a funeral guy. Okay, 
what is the exact opposite of a funeral director? And I love the idea of them brainstorming all these different things. Like someone's probably like, I don't know, like uh, a figure skater. It's like, no, you gotta think happier. And I like, I love the idea that like, it took an entire writer's room of people to brainstorm that. And what they landed on was clown. And they were like, we're going to stick with this. This is what we're sticking with. This is the strongest choice. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that. I respect that process. She brings full circle when Maggie is talking about how, was it Philip? Yeah. How Philip the philosopher is a dud. And she's like, it's like getting cold water right in your face. Fran's like, I know how you feel. <laughs> she's like, oh, I've been there. Fran also has a line where he sprays her in the face with the water and he says, <laughs> he says, like, you're all wet outside. And then she just goes, I'm dry on the hey, inside. I'm inside. <laughs> yeah. And I went, I went, ew, wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, a wow. lot of these lately. Icon. <laughs> That's on television. We've been getting a lot of these little, these little overtly sexual uh, things that have slipped through standards and practices recently. Have you yeah. seen? Although, oh my yeah. God. The, the, there's an episode coming up where there was like six things in a row that I was like, what the, f- what is this show? <laughs> Oh, do you guys watch the episode yet where she's putting on the perfume and she goes, you got to put them on all the good pressure points in between the elbows, like on your cheeks. And then she goes, then she goes, and then right between the eyes, <laughs> set of thighs, like she catches <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, she's about yeah. to sit between the legs and then she changes it to eyes. She pivots. That. Um, that was another episode where she's, where, where Maggie was going on a date. Yes. But while I understand, Sean, you not loving the potentially lazy writing of the clown thing, this episode ends with some of the strongest Fran, Mr. Sheffield romantic undertones that we have mm-hmm. ever seen so far. And the just for the to jog people's memory, basically, it's like the end of the episode. Fran's clearly pretty disappointed that this dating adventure didn't work out for her and her mom is with her and um her mom's like so what if he's a clown like you think mr wright is just gonna come knocking on your door and say here i am and then on cue mr sheffield knocks on the door and he's like he's like oh miss fine i just wanted to ask you like which tie you think i should wear tonight and she isn't say like oh like the green it goes with your eyes and then he walks out and she's like Mom, it's not that easy. I just want a man who values and respects me. And then like on cue again, Mr. Sheffield reappears and he's like, sorry to bother you again, Miss Fine. I just value and respect you. And then he like asks her another question and then he leaves and Sylvia's like, well, life just doesn't work like that. And like, that's the end of the episode. So this is the first time we firmly solidified, like Mm -hmm. he is Mr. Right for her. Um, And, and that's like, established canon now mm-hmm. open your eyes it's beautiful i literally like i have goosebumps as we speak Me too. which is so i'm such a loser but like it's it's so true oh i loved it it's so touching and yeah. like and the he's so nervous of it, and their physical chemistry and it's just it's so it's so perfect it's like one of those instances where like 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 yes if that was written and someone performed it you'd be like, wow, that's really clever. That's good. But it has to be like them specifically, like to be put in that situation for, to have it feel like mm-hmm. absolute magic, you know? Yeah. I, I feel like we should go into segments now. Um, yeah. I'll play the segment song. And now segments. So 
segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> All right, uh, I love that theme song. I'm very proud of it. I know uh, you are. Toria, take us through. What's up? What is our favorite episode? Uh, favorite parts of the episode? What's yours? All right, yeah. So you guys, so the this this is the part where we just recap our favorite lines, favorite moments. Um, we you know people hear us talk all the time, so you you guys, please please share first. I was just saying, I was not uh, to put you on the spot. No, no, put put us on the spot. Put me on the spot. Uh, Dare the, you. the post-credit scene, there's the post-credit scene where Fran and Sylvia are just like walking downstairs and Sylvia's just like pestering Fran. She just has so many good clown singers back to back to back. And it's just gorgeous. She's like, she's like, what's the matter? It's a fine profession. It's a, hey, instead of one ring, you could have had three. And it's like one of those lines that like hits me delayed. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> three just, ring circus. <laughs> I get it. I just picked up on that right now. It's so funny. <laughs> so specific. So specific. I'm trying to for me. Yeah, I, this show does such a good job at zingers. I like credit to the to the writing staff. Like they always they they're just so they man, they're good. I wish people talked like this in real life. Oh, <laughs> me? Yeah. Um um any other favorite moments or scenes? We've already talked about this one, but the kitchen scene with Niles and Mr. Sheffield is just so classic. And um, my boyfriend, he's Irish, and we talk about British people all the time. He lives in uh, London. And we always talk about British humor and just the way they deal with uncomfortable situations. I was telling Genevieve, I wonder if there's any any British people on the in the writer's room because they do such a good job of capturing british humor yes so that's a good question because british humor is like so specific so specific and it doesn't sound like americans writing what they think british people are like yeah yeah i mean and like a great example of that is so after you know niles sits down is about to like have his evening drink and smoke the cigar and mr sheffield literally like a spoiled child like thoughtlessly grabs it all out of his hands like assuming it was all there for him yeah you know niles just very dry, dryly goes you know my pajamas are about your size sir yeah. <laughs> like literally like why don't you just take the clothes off my back yeah you little brat he reveals like two seconds later that it's his time off <laughs> like it's literally <laughs> it's literally his off time and mr sheffield just like comes in assuming that like everything is for him <laughs> it's, yeah and like, um we also do this uh, segment it started just as nanny trivia and then a couple weeks back i turned it into uh, also correction times in case there was something i needed to correct from before and now never before featured sean i haven't even told you about this i'm i'm throwing in another little category in the umbrella i'm saying uh nanny references out in the world and that's if like i see something or you see something that's like a tweet or an article or a something involved yeah. with the nanny that would be really fun to share Good. and so my former co-worker don't get jealous sean Arya cohen wade uh, he sent me a tweet from this ya author named gabby noon she wrote i've put my finger on why i'm unsettled by many current clothing trends it's that we've got a bunch of Cece Babcocks dressing like Fran. <laughs> this actually kind of lends itself perfectly to our last segment. So we're switching it up again because we have guests. 
Sean and I end every episode with who is the Fran and who is the Cece of this episode. But I think since we have two, not only guests on, but two guests who are sisters and know each other, who's the Fran and who's the Cece of Annabelle and Genevieve? Let's really think about that. My first inclination is saying that you're the Fran, but I feel like I'm the Mm. Not the Fran, though. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're so not the Fran. Okay, like literally growing up, let's talk about who was the Fran or who was the CC. You used to make fun of me for dressing like Fran I did. every single day. <laughs> Anytime I would go to school, Annabelle would be like, You look heinous. You need to change. And I'd be like, No, I look fabulous. Screw <laughs> you. And then two days later, she'd be like, Hey, can I rewear that outfit that you wore on Monday? Um, I'm the maximalist here. You you were the minimalist for a long time, and you always were into Amber was into black and white everything, yeah. beige everything. You're going through a beige phase right now. How can you look me in the eyes and tell me that you think you're a friend when you literally are going through a beige phase, getting rid of all the color in your wardrobe? I How could you? I literally dress like I'm in Fraser. So <laughs> you do. I'm in Annabelle's the Fraser here. That's what this is. Annabelle is so straight that she's moved to another series. <laughs> okay, so so yeah, yeah, you heard it here first. Genevieve's the Fran. Annabelle's the Fraser. <laughs> Oh, that's delightful. She's Niles, but Frasier is Niles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Exactly. That's what we've been watching a lot of Frasier, too. So I'm like, watching so much Frasier. Yeah, Annabelle and I have been trying to figure out Niles, who's the Frasier of us. We've been going back and forth on that one a lot. And it turns out you're just Fran. I'm just the Fran. We talked friend. about this. Uh, I think I mentioned this before, but this show actually shares a lot of writers with Frasier. Really interesting because um, that's also a very sharp show, like a lot of one line, a lot of really strong one liners. Fran and Sheffield are kind of like Niles and Daphne a little bit. That like, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, will they, won't they. Oh. That's so true. Great point. Yeah, that's that's very true. It's a very similar dynamic. Interesting. Huh. Dang. And I live wow. for that. I live for it. I live for the will they won't play because they always will eventually. And that's what keeps me hanging on. That's true. Unless it's the exiles. Oh, and yeah, we, we also do the Yiddish segment and there was no Yiddish in this episode, but I did notice that Fran called Steve, the undertaker, Stevela on their like second date. And, yeah. I, and we, as we established in a previous episode, when you add Allah at the end of a name, it's Yiddish for like, it's a, a little pet, loving little pet name. So yeah. she was moving fast with him. That's yeah. so funny. We do yeah. that. We do that. We, Our parents do that and we do that. I didn't know that. Was I didn't know it was a Yiddish yeah. thing. Oh. I always just yeah. assumed everyone. So funny. I always assumed everyone knew what that meant. Just like I always just assumed. No. Wow. Wow. No, nope, that's Yiddish. That's got Yiddish origins. Yeah. Yeah. Tatala, Babala. You know all that stuff. That's really you know that's what we do. That's our whole that's our whole thing. We talk about the episode. Those were our segments. Yeah, um, we did it. We did the thing. We did um, it. Uh, I guess we should do since we have guests. Uh, do you guys have anything that you want to like? Do you have social media you want to plug or any cool projects or stuff you're working on? Yes, let's yes. plug yes. Um, our social media and then Spirit Sisters. Yes. Uh, so okay, so if if you guys want to uh, check me out on Instagram, I am at estro dot gen e s t r o dot Jen, G-E-N, like the hormone, but it's me. <laughs> and then on Twitter, I am Jen for president. G with a G. With a G. G-E-N for F-O-R, president. President. <laughs> Period. Period. Uh, and then me, Annabelle, the older sister, 
who was bullied Genevieve once upon a time, which mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a, sorry for. That's um, okay. It never broke my spirit. That's true. Now we live together. Mm-hmm. Um, I am at snack bagels. One word, snack, like, like you're hungry, and bagels, like you're also hungry. <laughs> um, and then Twitter is at... A-B-A-N-E-L underscore. I'm trying to change it to snack bagels, but don't know how. <laughs> but it's Abanel. <laughs> and then you can find us on YouTube at the Kane Sisters. There's a video of Genevieve doing a Fran Fine impression, and mm-hmm. it either... It's pretty mediocre. It's pretty mediocre, but it's still pretty good. <laughs> our, our, our responses are, I'd say, like... It's, it's two-thirds good, one-third bad, but we yeah. like it. But anyway, we are... Kane Sisters, and we have a web series where we have one episode of that we yes. filmed last year called Spirit Sisters. Yep, and we are uh, paranormal investigators. Uh, what, what, what are we? Paranormal activists. We're paranormal activists. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, you know, we're trying to, like, bring uh, PC culture into uh, paranormal investigations. Uh, you know, on Earth, any tragedies or, you know, human rights that were violated, like, putting kids in factories and stuff like that. And it is, uh, it is satire. And I it's will satire. say, Sean did help us come up with the angle of this. And it is, it yes, is one of did. my favorite things we've ever done. And I thank Sean. Thank you. Yes. For inspiring. It's really good. It's, uh, I didn't, I mean, I didn't do much. We just like, you guys were like, we're going to do this. And I was like, please do this. Like, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then they did. And it's great. If you like this show, uh, like and subscribe and do all of that stuff on whatever podcasting platform you're listening. And if you want to leave us your best friend, fine impression or Mr. Sheffield impression, you can go to anchor.fm slash the nanny pod. I forget now. Uh, anyway, yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for coming and talking about the nanny with us for an hour. This was wonderful. The flashing girl from flashing. Name Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs>